All right. Good morning. We're talking about Christian graces and taxing times. And it, of course, it is taxing times right now, isn't it? <laughs> How many have them done? Anybody? Anybody got? Oh, lots of you, right? Johnny on the spot. You must be getting money back. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but in taxing times, in trials, in tribulations, in times of when it's not popular to be a churchgoer, right? It's not... It's not, uh, it's not popular to be a Christian and name Christ and actually stand up for it and make that mean something. Uh, you're, you're as apt to be criticized for being a churchgoer as to be praised, and, uh, or maybe more so the former. Uh, in those kinds of times, it's all the more important that we hang on to Christ-like character and that we possess and express Christian graces. And so we've been looking at 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. If you have a sermon note guide, I invite you to pull that out. I don't have one, so you just have to guess. Um, or I'll just have to guess. You don't have to guess. Uh, 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7 says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. We talked about virtue as goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. We talked about uh, being uh, a critical thinker. And, but also spiritual discernment, self-control. We talked about self-control, perseverance, having patience and longevity, godliness, which is, uh, which is devotion and action, mutual affection. We talked about that last week. Brotherly love, mutual affection, uh, know each other's name. Uh, after, the, uh, after giving that sermon on brotherly love or mutual affection, can I use yours? Thank you, Steve. Bless you. You are going to take notes still, right? Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's going to get one. Uh, I came up with an acrostic. And because uh, I've been so uh, trained by Celebrate Recovery. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, I, but I used it for the radio show, Lifestyles of the Saved and Sane. And so... Uh, B is be uh, accept, accepting, right? Be accepting to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Talk about brotherly love. They will know we are Christians by our love for one another, right? Um, remember names. Remember I talked, we had name tags and everything. So you got to learn them first. Remember. Um, offer prayer for and with. Offer prayer. Offer to pray for people. Uh, lift them up to God. Uh, take time. How do you spell love? It's not M-O-N-E-Y. It's T-I-M-E. Uh, help. Help where you can. Help out. And that means you got to know what's going on and care. Care about it. Uh, extend grace. This is really important. Extend grace and forgiveness because there's always going to be problems or conflicts as long as we're on this side of heaven. Uh, we, in any, any enduring relationship takes a lot of grace, a lot of forgiving. And then R, receive help. Remember I, I said, um, don't just set it up where you're the one who always helps, right? And so you're like the one up over everybody. That's not mutual affection or brotherly uh, love. That's not the kind of, of t 
togetherness or equal that we're looking for. So that's last week's sermon I just re-preached. Um, so you're welcome in case you missed it. <laughs> uh, this week we're talking about love. He says, to godliness, mutual affection, to mutual affection, love. Remember, mutual affection, brotherly love is the word Philadelphia. We're all familiar with the city of brotherly love, and it literally means that. But he uses the Greek word philia, which is like friend love. It's friendship. Okay? It's uh, hanging out. Okay? It's, it's try to like each other. Okay? <laughs> and so, uh, but this is love. This is this love is agape love. You heard of agape? What do you know about agape? Because this has been preached a lot. This is a Greek word. It's not agape. Okay, I'll put a little accent up here. It's agape. It's different from philia love. Uh, there's other loves. Uh, philia, like fellowship, uh, friendship. There's storge which I always remember this one because it reminds me of stork. It's like motherly love. <laughs> okay, there's eros, which our society's all into that, you know, and that's uh, romantic, sexual love, erotic, is where we get that word. Um, what's agape? What do you know about it? Let's go ahead and play classroom. What, what do you know about agape? Unconditional. Selfless? Say it out loud because um, I didn't wear my hearing aids. Again? All-encompassing. All-encompassing. You know, it's big. It's, it's loftier. Supernatural. It's from God. It's supernatural. It's, it's God's love for us. We know that. That he loves us unconditionally. He loves us selfishly. He demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, before we did anything good, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to clean up our act and say, oh, okay, I'll go send my son to die for you now. It's like, no, before, before, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why? Because God so loved the world, agape the world, that he gave his one and only son in that way. So that is like a supernatural love. It is impossible for human beings to love this way. It really is. On their own, without God in them, to love unconditionally, to love in an encompassing way. You know where I like to get uh, a lot of answers to my questions like this? gotquestions.org. The essence of agape love is goodwill. Oh, let's put some of those down. Like, what does that mean? That means I'm looking out for the best. I want the best for you. Okay, so love has an object. You love something. You don't just love. Okay, oh, I'm all love. It's like you love somebody. Okay, even if it's yourself. Okay, there's love toward an object. And so goodwill means I, I have good will for you. I want what's good for you. I want what's the best for you. Those people that stole our catalytic converter, I want the best for them. I hope they get top dollar for it. Wait, no. Um, I hope they get caught so they can be reformed and live a positive life. Uh, benevolence. So it has to do with like 
uh, again, kind of a generosity, a, a giving, a, a, a benevolence goes for there. The one big thing that is different, besides unconditional, between agape love and these other kinds of love is this. Uh, let's call it, it's an act of the will. Act of the will. It's a choice. It's choosing love. It's um, philia. I kind of like you because I just do. You know, I mean, you made me laugh that one time. Uh, and so looks aren't everything, but you did. I'm just kidding. That was a joke my dad always told me. <laughs> oh, Scott, you're funny. Looks aren't everything. Uh, a mother can't hardly help. I mean, she'd have to work hard not to love her baby, you know, unless she's got some kind of emotional mental problem and there's some of that thing happening. But 99.99999% but of the time, mother loves her child, father loves his kid. Um, eros, that's kind of natural. Just kind of happens. And, uh, but agape does not just kind of happen ever. I don't just fall in agape. It, it doesn't. It has to be chosen. It's always an act of the will. Okay? Um, it also involves faithfulness, so that all-encompassing. It involves faithfulness. It involves commitment. Um, it's distinguished from the other types of love by its lofty moral nature and strong character. Strong character. And it's described in 1 Corinthians 13, which is also called the what? The love chapter. Soon we'll be reading about some love. Uh, my apologies. We're not going to be reading that today. But you know, it says love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking. All those things. That's, that describes agape love. When, when Paul's talking about love in there, he's using the word agape. And the Bible uses different words for different kinds of love. And so that's what agape is. So why is it important to agape? Using it like a verb. Why is it important to agape people, to agape God? Why is it important to have agape love? Um, Well, let me give you some reasons. Number one, because God is love. God is love. We've heard that. It's said a couple of times. In 1 John 4, 7 through 9, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Did you get his reasoning here? We need to love each other. Why? Because love comes from God. Does that make sense? It does, if you think it through. Uh, because everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So those who agape have been born of God. You can't do it on your own. You've got to have God in you. Okay? And so they've been born of God and they know God. They experience God. 
That's what the, this knowing means. They experience God. Whoever does not love has not experienced God. They do not know God because God is love. Can you guys see the screen? No, you don't need to. You don't need to. It's all printed out there. Um, and so God is love. It's like, well, I thought you said that God has, I mean, that love has to have an object. Before creation, before anybody was born, if God is love, that's just the way he is, right? He's always been that way. That's a definition of his nature. And if God pre-existed all of the universe, space, time, everything, who was he loving before we came along? When he was all there was, and God is one, there's only one God, who was he loving on before, before we came along? Anybody got a thought? Huh? Angels. Before the angels. What about before them? He created them too. They're created. No, no earth yet. Himself. Himself. So let's look at that. What do we know about God? He is three persons. One God essence, three persons in the Godhead. And we have who? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are eternally existent, eternally coexistent, always have been in the Godhead. It's one God, one Godness, one essence of Godness, three persons. And so God is already in relationship, loving. And there's so much love going on here. Okay, the Father says that he brought, came to bring glory to the, or the Son says he came bring, to bring glory to the Father, and the Father glorifies the Son, and the Holy Spirit glorifies the Son so that he can glorify the Father. Okay, so they all work together to bring glory, 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 love, 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 love. And there's so much love kind of spinning out of here, kind of going like crazy, and bam! What happens? The universe. We are the result of a love fest. That's a little awkward, isn't it? <laughs> a little awkward to think about it that way. But really, that's what's going on. There's, a, there's all this love going on that you can't help but create. And so he creates us, and he creates us in his image because, because this much love needs more stuff to love, more people to love, more persons to love. And so he created mankind so that we can walk in fellowship with him and love him and love him back and love each other. He just wants to see the love keep going and going and going. And so it says God is love. And so he says love each other or love others because God is love. And you were born of him and you are experiencing him. Do you love others? That's how you can know if you've been born of God and you are experiencing God. You have love for others. Well, who? Who, Who? by the way, is it? Why is not only, oh, let me give you a second reason um, why I'm supposed to love. Jesus commanded it. Uh, it wouldn't feel like with all this going on and, and what First John told us, that we would need to be commanded. 
But Jesus knows uh, that we're fallen humanity and we got this big black cloud over our, over our spiritual eyes. And so he's got to like command it to us so that we know that this is the right direction. Okay. And, uh, and it isn't, it isn't going to be natural. It's going to have to be supernatural where we're plugged into him. And so Jesus said the two greatest commands are to love God and love people. Matthew 22 says, well, a person comes up and says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus quotes the Old Testament. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, with everything that you are. Love God, agape him, everything. Make a choice to love God with all that you are. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then Jesus kicks in a bonus and he says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now somebody might ask, and I've always asked this question. It's like, okay, I gotta love everybody. Do I have to like them? I gotta love everybody. I gotta somehow have all that goodwill and looking out for their best. And uh, but do I have to like them? Do I have to like them? Well, I would say that begs a second question. Okay, if you're asking that, that begs this question: What's your focus? What is your focus? Is your focus, are you more focused on, on loving the way Jesus loved, loving God the way he loved you, or on all your reasons to not like somebody? Where is your focus? Are you focused on loving or not being required to like them? It's like, oh, good. Um, on what, are you focused on what you don't like about them? Is this your telescope <laughs> or is this your telescope, right? Um, and some of us, this is the relative focus of our, of our telescopes is, is like I'm really focused on what I don't like about certain people because they're a pain in the patoot and, uh, and I just don't, can't stand them and I don't want to hang around them. Even brothers and sisters in Christ, it's like, I go to a different church rather than go, you know, have to hang out with that person. And I, I so much I dislike about them. I'm so glad I don't have to actually like them. I just have to kind of love them. See what I'm saying? The, the focus might, our focus might be wrong. My focus gets wrong. It's like, I should be more focused on how can I love them? So yeah, 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 all that. How can I love them, right? And, and I just want to throw that in because I think about that. Um, so who? Who are you to agape? Well, first of all, like we talked about last week, we need to love the brethren. The brethren includes the sistren. And, uh, and we're to, to love them with a, with a good kind of love, a, a holy love. Uh, agape, again, it's that goodwill, it's that unconditional, it's that uh, uh, by choice kind of love. 1 John 4, 20 through 21 says, whoever claims to agape God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not agape 
their brother and sister whom they have seen can't agape God whom they've not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who agapes God must also agape their brother or sister. So we need to start with the brethren. Secondly, the Bible says we need to love our neighbor. Jesus made it a point to say, love your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. He quoted those scriptures. Um, and another place where, where he was asked this question in Luke 10, uh, Jesus answered, or no, Jesus asked a guy, it's like, well, what does the Bible say? What does the, what does the law say? You want to you wanna go to heaven? You want to do good? You want to be right with God? Tell me what the law says. He says, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So that guy was listening. You know, he was paying attention when Jesus highlighted that before and Jesus asking the question, he's going, oh, I know this one. Okay. And he saw it in the Old Testament. And Jesus praises him. He says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But now the guy's going, okay, I'm ready for this. I knew he was going to say that. He wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? All those people I don't like. Right? Who's my neighbor? He wants to justify himself because he's got a whole list of people that aren't very lovely in his life or in his neighborhood or in his town or in his country or in office. He's got a whole <laughs> list of people that he doesn't really want to like or love, actually. And, and so Jesus takes that opportunity to answer the question about who is my neighbor by telling him a story. Does anybody know what that story is? Story of the Good Samaritan, right? Tells the story about the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan is about the, uh, oh, the Jews are coming along, they're on their way to Jerusalem, and there happens to be a Samaritan, some foreigner, some out-of-towner, some immigrant, walking along, and some robbers beat him up, leave him for dead, take all of his stuff, and, um, and he's all bloody and bruised, and the priest, the Jewish priest goes by, and he's like, ugh. And he walks on by and goes to the temple. Uh, the scribe uh, walks by, goes, ooh. And he walks by, crosses on the other side of the road, which was a very narrow road, so I imagine he's kind of going like this. <laughs> Let me get around that guy. Don't touch him. Uh, and then he says, or no, it was a Jewish guy that got beat up. It was the Jewish guy that got beat up. And it was the Samaritan, the immigrant came along and, uh, and took pity on him and bandaged him up, took him to the inn, uh, paid for his care, went about his business, was going to come back, check in later. And then Jesus says, who was a neighbor to the guy that got beat up? He said, well, I suppose the one who had mercy on him, go and do likewise. And so I guess you could summarize it in a way like this, anyone you come across with whom you can share God's love is your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Anyone you come across with whom you can share God's love. Who's the brethren? Your brothers and sisters in Christ. Love them, serve them, build them up, uh, learn their name, <laughs> you know, fellowship. Their neighbor, anybody that you come across that you can share the love of God with, that's your neighbor. Love them also. But Jesus goes even further. 
And this is why Jesus always got into trouble. He said, love your enemies. It's like, gee whiz, Jesus. Uh, Matthew 5, 43 through 48, he says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, in my Bible, there is a footnote after love your neighbor. It says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor, footnote, and hate your enemy, no footnote. Footnote comes after love your neighbor, no footnote after hate your enemy. You know why that is? The footnote is a reference to the Old Testament that says, love your neighbor. The other phrase, hate your enemy, is just something they said. Oh, love, love my neighbor? That means I could hate my enemy. What? No. <laughs> it's like, but that becomes a saying in town, in the family, in the church. Love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. And Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 no. I tell you, love your enemies. And pray for those who are persecuting you. Pray for that Roman soldier who makes you carry his load. Pray for that tax collector who makes you pay all those taxes. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. Don't be children of the devil. Don't be just a human child. Be a child of your Father in heaven by loving your enemies. God loves everybody that hates him. Think about that. There are people that really hate God. Do you know anybody that really hates God? They just really hate God. Or they just don't want to have anything to do with God. Guess how God feels about them? You know, he doesn't hate them in return. He loves them. So if you want to be a child like your father in heaven, love your enemies. He says he causes the sun to rise on the good and the evil, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So, so the blessings of this earth come to everybody, whether they love God or not love God. He says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? He's kind of like, I see Jesus going like this. Whoop-de-doo. You love people that love you? Well, well, aren't you special? You know, I don't think Jesus talked like that, but I imagine. Uh, he says, are not the, even the tax collectors who you hate doing that? People you hate are doing that. And if you greet only your own people, greeting meaning welcoming warmly and hospitality and uh, wishing well. If you're only wishing well on your own people, what are you doing more than anybody else? Do not even pagans do that. Whoop-de-doo. Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly father is, is perfect. So in order to be perfect, I need to agape. And let me talk about this perfect for a minute. Uh, this is another reason why agape is so important for a believer. Is that, is that God wants us to be perfect. Now, I hate that word. Don't you hate that word? Because we think of perfect like perfectionism, right? We think of perfect as without any flaw at all. It's perfect. Sinless. Sinless perfection. That's what we think of. And that's not, it's an unfortunate English translation, I think. Uh, it's more, the word is teleos in the, uh, in the Greek, teleos. 
And what that means is teleos is kind of like uh, the ultimate. It's, uh, or not the ultimate, but uh, the, uh, the end result. It's like um, when we're traveling to the beach and we get to the beach, it's like a teleos experience. Um, it's actually translated sometimes um, complete. Now we all want to be complete. We want to be whole, right? Um, mature, as opposed to infantile or adolescent. Uh, let's just say mature. Mature. And so when it says perfect, he's talking about being spiritually mature, being complete, being whole, being all together inside, okay? And in order for that to happen, it's agape. It's got to be everything that's about me is love. And I'm not there, but I want to be a full grown adult of full age, mature, um, wanting nothing necessary to completeness. So he says, be complete, be teleos as your father, heavenly father is teleos. Be complete in love. And so as we are striving for spiritual maturity and growth, it's got to have a whole lot of this, a whole lot of love where um, I can unconditionally love people. I can, um, by an act of my will, by choice, choose to, to love them, to extend grace and benevolence, uh, goodwill, to wish will for them, to pray for them, to be kind to them. Spiritual maturity is marked by those who love well. And so be different from the world by how you love people. I want you to look at some people. And I want to ask you, come on, let go. Do you love them? You, you recognize this gal? She's always on Facebook. I, I didn't know her name. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But she's angry. Probably a young, white, uh, uh, I think she's a leftist having a hard time with somebody, right? Angry, maybe, and, and so social justice warrior, right? You ever had anybody look like that in your face? Can you love that person? Well, God, you could. Pray for that person right now. Let's pray. Dear God, I don't know who this lady is or her buddies with her. I know she's passionate. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would come to her and that you will heal the wounds in her heart. She's looking for solutions. I, I'm not sure that she's looking in the right place for them. But I pray that she would discover you and that you would bless her and that she would know your name and that she would have safety and health, success in her life. But I pray, God, that you would appear to her and show yourself to her.
that, and I pray that there will be some Christians in her life that just love on her and show her grace. Amen. What about these next people? Can you, can you love that guy? What about the next one? What about all those folks? Can you love them? What would that mean? I think we really need to pray about what that means. I, I don't have all the answers, but I don't want to hate anybody. What about that guy? Can you love that guy? He looks fun. Doesn't he? But we know what's going on there, right? Yeah. Could you love him? I'm not asking you to agree with him, just like any of those guys. I'm not asking you to agree, but could you love him? What would that mean for you? Ask God. God, what does it mean? I I pray for that guy, Lord. Uh, I pray, Lord Jesus, for these guys. Could Could you love them? What about that them? I know everybody loves the dog, right? It's like, how could you not love that dog? That's a great dog. What about the guy? You know, we have, we have a lot of folks that are homeless and hungry, uh, or at least they have a sign that says so, right? But I don't want to be cynical. I just want to love people. How would I love that guy? And, and what would that mean? And what would be the best way? And do I love him? Or do I just... Am I just bothered by him? Is my focus like this? Right? Next. What about those folks? Do you love them? All God's creatures. People with souls. God calls us to love them. And they're lovable. But even if they weren't, that's kind of the point. Next. Can you love that guy? I used to call him Senator Palpatine. Uh, That's George Soros. Okay, some of you are aware. And I was thinking about him. I was thinking, could I love him? You know what he does? You know the things he funds? Jesus said, God so loved the world, including George Soros. He says, love your enemies. What about this next one? You love that guy. I mean, can you unconditionally love him in spite of all of his rhetoric or whatever you want to call it? Okay. Maybe you agree with a lot of his policies and stuff that he did. I agree with a lot of them. But uh, a lot of people don't like him. What about him? Got to love that guy. I mean it. You got to love that guy. (laughs) We got to love that guy. What about this person? Do you love him? I know. I'm challenging you to the max here. (laughs) I I get that. But this is the question. This is: Are we Christians or are not we Christians? Not we. Are we not Christians? Or do we have the love of God in us? Were we born of God and, ex- and know Him? Because anyone who does not love does not know God. 
And it's like, am I more focused on what I dislike about that lady, things that she does, than I am on loving her? And what would it mean for me to love Nancy Pelosi today? Do you know that God's goal is just to make you a better lover? So don't go down to the bookstore and sign out a book on or buy a book on techniques. Okay? God wants to make you a better lover. Okay? Agape person. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Follow God's example. You are a dearly agape child. He agapes you. He loves you. He dearly loves you. So walk in the way of agape. How do I learn to walk in the way of agape? I think I need to change some of my conversation, some of my thinking, maybe some of my prayers. My desire is that Word of Hope will be actively involved, will actively show love to our world, to our community in the unique ways that we are able to. We have a uniqueness about us as a church. I mean, we're different than any other church. Every, every church has a uniqueness about them. We have ours. And God places the members of the body into the body as it has pleased him. And so we have our mix, kind of have our mix, and it, it fluxes and changes over time, and that's fine. But we have a uniqueness about us that is a gift. It is a gift from God to love our world in a unique way, in a way that, that Word of Hope can do it. We can't do it maybe like Fountain Springs does it, okay? We can't do it like maybe uh, Sapa, New Life. We can't do it like, like Open Bible. But we can do it like Word of Hope. And that's what our refocus weekend, or weeks are going to be about. It's like, well, how has God made us, and how can we love our community? My desire is that as a church, but also as individuals, that we will actively show love to other people. Look at Mother Teresa's little poem. Uh, I think she borrowed this and changed it from another guy and put it on her wall, and so this was on her wall. People are unreasonable illogical and self-centered right love them anyway if you are kind people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives be kind anyway if you are successful you'll win some false friends and true enemies succeed anyway the good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow be good anyway Honestly, honesty and frankness will make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People need help, but may attack you if you try to help them. Help them anyway. And the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Love anyway. My challenge is wake up every morning and ask this question. 
Who will I show love to today? How will I show them love? Who am I going to show love to today? And how will I do it? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your love. You agape us. And that's a good thing because a lot of times we're just not very lovable. And our sins separate us from you. And we just thank you, Jesus, that, that you extend such grace to us. We pray, God, that we may live in that grace, be receivers and experiencers, uh, livers of that love, that we, would, that we would own it, enjoy it, possess it, uh, relish in it, uh, bathe in it, know it, and have it so overspilling, Lord, that it, it spills out to people around us. Help us show, Lord, that we have been born of God and we know God by our love for each other, our love for our neighbor, and even our love for our enemies. Teach us to love our enemies. Change my attitude, God. My attitude's not always that good, especially in this area. And I need you to change me. I need you to work in me. I need to plug into you to abide in Christ so that you abide in me. And your words abide in me, so I may bear much fruit, the fruit of love. I pray that for my brothers and sisters here as well. And we pray it all in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Amen. So just a couple of comments before we close out the service with our final worship song. Number one, if you try doing that.